episode of Small Town Gospel Podcast. I'm Alana. Here I am. And I am here with Alex. Hi. We are together this time. And this week we'll be discussing baptism. <laughs> yep. Drum roll, yeah. Uh, this is a really fascinating topic, and um, I, I know a lot of uh, content creators um, lie when they say people have been asking about this. Um, but literally, uh, one of our listeners asked uh, specifically for this topic. And so uh, w- one of the interesting aspects of the discussion about baptism is, on the one hand, it's a topic that um, is explicitly mentioned in Scripture as a uh, key and central means of Christian unity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really cool to think about. Uh, we we had a baptism just a couple weeks ago, uh, right down at Bull Lake, and in that act of baptism, John joined uh, in um, a rite or a sacrament that Christians, you know, twelve hundred years ago in Asia participated in. Yeah. And so it's this unifying mm-hmm. force. And at the same time, uh, it's a source of quite a bit of disagreement and debate among um, uh, Reformed-ish people uh, who agree about God's sovereignty and salvation, agree about the nature of the church, agree about a whole bunch of things. And then when it gets down to this uh, theoretically unifying issue, uh, there's pretty fierce disagreement that throughout church history people were drowned over and things like that so well i'm thankful we're uh, not drowning people (laughs) over it and that we can just sit here and have a good discussion about it yeah (laughs) that's nice um so uh we are both of the credo baptist uh, uh opinion and conviction and that's what our church is and has been since our church started uh, but we both do hold Presbyterians um, in high regard yeah. and high esteem. And some of the uh, people I most consistently go to for insight from scripture or about cultural trends uh, are Presbyterian. And so this is, at least for me, uh, the area of theology where I um, I hold in most high respect and understanding and even appreciation the stance that I don't hold. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, we, we, we'll get into the disagreements next week. This will be a two-parter. But today we're going to kind of hone in on and focus on what is it about baptism that does unify all Christian believers. Uh, we'll share kind of our own personal um baptism stories as well as just uh the discussions around baptism that we've been around uh in our upbringing uh and then you go to some of the passages from scripture that that address the issue yeah this week we will try to just talk more uh about what we are quote unquote familiar with in our own life hold to and belief um, and then next week we'll get into, yeah, more of the uh, controversy and stuff like that. Yep. 
So uh, the key passage, there, there are several, but the, the one I guess that stands out as most explicit to me about uh, baptism as a um, essential component of Christian unity is found in Ephesians 4. Could you read that? Yeah, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Paul, uh, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Right, so we see there clearly the emphasis of unity. Um, I lost count of how many times the word one shows up. Uh, and in, in the midst of, of you know, one Lord and one confession and all of this, uh, one baptism is right there. And so uh, we would believe that uh, despite our disagreements with Presbyterians, uh, those who... Uh, are are truly saved and, and know the gospel and, and love the Lord, uh, though there was a different mode and, and even that they would hold to different um, meaning or significance of baptism, uh, there still is one baptism and we are unified uh, in this baptism that um, whether you're Presbyterian or Baptist does ultimately point to the gospel and what Christ has done. And so uh, we... Uh, are bound together in that and however we go about these discussions about baptism we have to maintain what the clear yeah. emphasis um, here in Ephesians 4 and a few other passages uh, hits on yeah that's what I was going to say is like it is a debated topic but at the end of the day um, there is unity of the spirit in the bond of peace uh, and it's clearly written out in scripture and um i think that that needs to be on the forefront of our mind as we discuss this topic right so uh one of the questions then uh, baptism has been practiced by other uh, cultures and other religions even uh so baptism isn't uh an exclusively christian thing yeah um, so it is important to kind of hone in on what uh, what distinguishes Christian baptism. And uh, I, I think this is a sign of strength of our podcast, but we read this passage <laughs> perhaps uh, 90% of, of the yeah. uh, recording sessions. Anyway, the Great Commission. Could you read from yeah. Matthew 28 there? Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right, so uh, <laughs> I hope uh, you, our listeners, are not um, feeling too much like we beat a dead horse with this <laughs> passage, but it is... It, it really is absolutely central and essential yeah. to, to everything that the church does. And so here, obviously, baptism shows up, and um, it, it's a component uh, of our mission 
and it demonstrates who the Lord of that mission is. Uh, So we make disciples, and a key aspect of making disciples is is through this baptism. Yeah, the important thing that I keep drawing out of this is, uh, the reason we keep coming back to it, is the authority. And in Christ's authority, we have been given the command then to baptize. And uh, that is, we'll talk about it later, but that is the key part of this discussion today is um, Christ's authority in baptism is why we now need to think about and discuss it. Right. And uh, so again, the question, what, what distinguishes Christian baptism is uh, you can hone in on, well, we're making disciples of Jesus, uh, but it's also explicitly communicated in a Christian baptism that it is Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. So the command here um, is not just baptizing them, it's baptizing them in the name. This is really interesting, the name singular. Mm-hmm. And then he gives three persons <laughs> um, titles, at least, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, you know, any baptism, Presbyterian, Baptist, uh, whatever that is, that is a, a true, legitimate Christian baptism will be Trinitarian and it will be uh, in obedience yes. and following uh, the command centrally of Matthew 28. Yes. Uh, the We'll talk about this later, but I have learned a lot this week as we've been studying about this uh, Trinitarian aspect of baptism that I'm excited to get into <laughs> later. Yeah. Um, but I guess a good place for us to start is just to talk about our own experiences with baptism. And so uh, a little bit of my story. Um, I We talked about this in our first episode as we shared our testimonies, but um, I grew up being raised by my grandparents in a really healthy Christian home, uh, in a Sunday school class that my grandmother taught, in church, at Christian schools, um, with healthy spiritual life discussion at home, and uh, the Lord did not save me until I was in high school. Um, So I did learn between ages 5 and 14, uh, quite a bit about all of this and um one little fun fact is that um I was quote unquote baptized when I was like six but yeah I didn't know that yeah um but I was not saved and I think it was just I was I probably professed it at Sunday school and then was baptized because I professed it and there it was but uh truly looking at my life the Lord did not save me Uh, I did not truly know the saving power of the gospel until high school. Um, But even still, I was not baptized until uh, my sophomore year of college. So that's six years from when the Lord saved me to when I was baptized. Um, And as I think about it, it, uh, my story does not at all line up with the uh, belief that I have, I guess, of baptism, I truly 
my stance believe that like you're saved and you should be baptized uh and yet there's a huge pause in my story um and which i wonder if that uh earlier uh, misfire, for lack yeah. of a better word. Um, I I wonder if that might have been a part of why you uh, held off. Yeah, for a I while. think I think so. And I do remember at my baptism, um, like beforehand, I shared my testimony. I had uh, a really great time of prayer with my family and close friends, and uh, I I truly did understand what was happening Mm. uh at that point but I do Mm. think that I wrestled with like well what was it like the fact that I got baptized at six or whatever and how does that play into salvation and what in the world do I actually believe and so I do think that it just took me time to like regurgitate (laughs) all of that information to come to like a clear precise decision on my own yeah it's uh your baptism is kind of a funny moment uh in our friendship yeah uh, because I, I was brand new here. We, we came, uh, in July, uh, beginning of July of 2015. And, uh, your baptism was like one month after that or something yeah. like that. And, uh, I was invited, uh, you know, to be a part of that. And we, we were, I, I knew who you were, but I did feel a little awkward and, um, I was there and didn't really know anyone, and there was one lady telling me about the blood moons and the end of the world, and oh, I'm like, uh, this is kind of crazy. And it was like a pretty <laughs> small, intimate gathering as well. Like, yeah. there, were, there wasn't like this huge turnout, it right. was just a lot of like close family and friends. And that like a family cabin. Yeah. Um, and I got a, uh, it, it was a beautiful moment. It truly was. I, I was kind of chuckling though, cause here's this, um, symbol of, uh, cleansing and everything. Ew. And the lake you were in, um, has nasty. like this, um, maybe a couple feet deep layer of silt yeah. and, and stuff that's Muck. like making the, <laughs> the water super gross. Yeah. In the world of what I believe about <laughs> baptism, I was not cleaner and made whole, uh, from being put under uh, that water. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, the, it was pretty cool to to hear your testimony and to um, t- to be there for that. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Anything else about your? No, your... I I think that I'll continue to just add as we go um, parts of my story and how I came to believe the things that we'll discuss. Okay. Through it, but yep. that's a good flyover for now. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, was baptized. I, the summer before my sophomore year of high school um, at Twin Rivers Resort in Moye Springs. Hi, Merrill's, if you're listening. Uh, and one of the funny parts of that story is um, my pastor at the time was maybe just a little over five feet tall. Um, and I... Uh, was already my current height, so about six one, and then he was also standing uh, further into the water oh than boy. I was, and so I I got into the water and I'm super nervous, you know, this insecure teenage kid, and everyone started laughing, 
and, and I'm like, what? Uh, and, you know, I was wearing uh, swim trunks, but I still checked to make sure my zipper was, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing. I'm like, what are they laughing at? As it turns out, um, he was about waist high to me um, because of the height difference, and he was in deeper water. And it was just a funny image, but... Uh, yeah, so uh, as I shared earlier in, in my testimony, um, I was saved toward the beginning of uh, eighth grade, so it, it was a couple of years okay. um, between uh, conversion and baptism. Um, one interesting component of growing up in Sandpoint was the shadow cast by the biggest church in town, which uh, believed in uh, baptismal regeneration. Uh, so here, you know, little town, and there's this one church that has pushing a thousand people, and that church uh, believes that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. So what happened in a lot of mm -hmm. the other smaller, um, more biblically accurate uh, churches was a reaction to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, a huge part of what I was told and taught um, in my coming of age years as a Christian was uh, kind of a downplaying of baptism. Um, in reaction, in response to this uh, very big, influential church's teaching. So, uh, yeah, it, I remember coming to a point of like, well, I, I think I'm supposed to get baptized, but all anyone ever tells me is like, it doesn't save you, it doesn't save you, it doesn't save you, but you should still do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's that's something that I've tried to keep in mind now as a pastor is... Yes, we should say that baptism doesn't save you, but that that should be maybe the you, you should say everything that makes it significant mm -hmm. and important and essential yeah. with the right definition of that yeah. word, uh, and then say, but just remember you're you're saved by Christ, not yeah. by um, this ritual. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, that I I think is part of why. I, um, I had that delay is, yeah. is kind of wanting to, uh, convince people that I didn't think that your salvation <laughs> and your baptism <laughs> were hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I, and I, I did still though, um, I'll admit having a moment of kind of, uh, I don't know if disillusion is the right word, but I, I think I did expect more to change. Okay. Um, so I was in a stretch where, where I had kind of started to struggle a little bit with lust again. And for example, I just, um, I wasn't, I don't, I don't think I was conscious of it, but I think I did, I, there was this subconscious expectation mm -hmm. that like I get baptized and then that gets easier. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> As it turns out, girls are still pretty. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, hmm. that, in a weird way, that helped me grow yeah. in my understanding of what baptism is and isn't. Yeah, uh, so I guess then 
let's just get into baptism in the Bible. Sounds good. Good transition. <laughs> um, the first place that I kind of go to is, well, Acts, uh, because all throughout Acts, uh, you see the word baptism or baptized. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so uh, I'm just going to kind of start my spiel at the beginning of Acts and Acts 2. Uh, in verses 36 through 38, it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this picture is a beautiful picture of everyone who believed in Christ, repented from their sins, turned and trusted in Christ, were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they have this identification this unification that we talked about from the great commission in christ um and then it later on goes to say like thousands of people were saved just from this simple gospel message uh and for me it's one of the first stories uh of baptism that just so clearly made me like solidified that i needed to be baptized Mm. again um because here it is repent turn from your sins trust christ be baptized holy spirit yep and uh, just a couple verses later there in acts 2 it shows kind of the result of that uh acts 241 it says those who accepted his message were baptized Mm. about three thousand uh were added to their number that day yeah so um it is interesting that um when we go back to the very foundational moment of the church, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out, the gospel is proclaimed, they believe, and they're baptized all on the same day. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, I, I, I think, whether it's a reaction to these churches who, who say you have to be baptized in order to be saved and you can't be saved if you're not baptized— Or if it's a reaction, say, to your experience as a Mm -hmm. six-year-old where people get a little like, well, we don't want to baptize someone who's not actually saved. Um, There can be this reaction to these external circumstances that ends up making us be unbiblical. Mm -hmm. Um, So faith, baptism, and and it just throughout, throughout Acts... And granted, there's a lot of unique stuff going on in the book of Acts, but it, people get baptized and like the next thing they do mm-hmm. is like, we need to find water. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, um, uh, it, it's, it's like a first expression of uh, your life with Christ yeah. is I'm going to obey the first command given to me yeah. um, and kind of set the trajectory of obedience in my Christian walk. Yeah. Um, all authority <laughs> is given from Christ. Therefore go and make disciples baptizing them right? Yeah. Uh, and then teaching them. And uh, so then as you continue to look through acts, um, acts eight, 14 through 17 acts 10, 
uh, around verses 48, and then Acts 19, around verses 4 through 5. Um, Paul gives these clear commands, be baptized in the name of Christ, be baptized in the name of Jesus, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and then right after he says that, it says, on hearing this, they were baptized. On hearing this, they were baptized. Um, and we see that all throughout Acts, and they're baptized in the name of Christ. Um, and so it just continues to repeat this pattern that um, was detailed in Acts 2. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one example, um, in kind of everything about this is uh, unique and distinct, but the, the really cool story of the Ethiopian eunuch uh, in Acts 8 where um, Philip comes along and uh, he notices that the eunuch is reading from Isaiah and, and Philip explains that scroll and demonstrates how that um, is fulfilled in the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And then uh, the, the Ethiopian um, believes in the gospel. And then it's really interesting. They're just riding along out in the middle of nowhere and then the Ethiopian sees some water and he says, look, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Mm-hmm. Now, in some of our churches, it would be like, well, you need to go through a discipleship class. Yeah. You need to see how you do for a little while. You need to, you need to prove that yeah. you're, you're the real deal. Share your and, testimony. Um, yeah. And Philip's like, uh, nothing. <laughs> Let, like, let's go. Get, you know, get on yeah. your swimming trunks. And so, like, uh, yeah, it's just... If we have a, a truly biblical concept of these things, mm-hmm. um, there's just way fewer boundaries and yeah. roadblocks to baptism than some of our churches m- may have put up. Yeah, there's this uh, video that went viral online a few years ago, and it's this little boy who's about to be baptized, and he's just so excited for this moment. <clears throat> and he's in the water with his uh, pastor, and he looks at him, he's like, just do it already! And just, oh, like, boy. throws himself back, <laughs> and the pastor catches, and he pulls himself up, and everybody claps. And uh, I just think, like, as adorable and silly and, like, totally worth being viral as that video was, um, that's what we see here in Acts, is, like, they believe, they repent, and then they're baptized, and they are, like, eager. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it just reminded <laughs> me of that sweet little video. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, yeah, so that's that's perhaps among the more challenging um, to to my upbringing and what was taught to me in, in my churches uh, as an adolescent. That's among the more uh, confrontational things. Is like why the weight given what Scripture says. And just on a more general principle, that's a good reminder to not allow something wrong that you're reacting to become what dictates your practice. Yeah. Uh, Because um, scripture has to dictate it. And Mm -hmm. um, for it to be so heavily emphasized to me, for instance, that... um, oh, it, it's not that important, it, it's not that big of a deal, it doesn't save you, um, is reactionary and not biblical. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I do think, uh, to your point previous, 
that we as a church need to be careful to not get stuck in a rut of, well, what have other people done in our church? Uh, or what does, like, what do we expect for this person to do? Uh, if somebody is eager and truly saved, like, baptize them. Right. Uh, we definitely need to be careful not to, yeah, be hesitant or wary just because uh, it's not what we're used to or what our church does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we do uh, uh, we we recognize that there there are unique things going on in Acts. So I, when someone does ask me to baptize them, full disclosure, I I don't say, um, yep, let's stop everything right now and yeah. immediately go down to Bull Lake. Like I I do meet with them, have a cup of coffee, hear their testimony, and help them be able to articulate the gospel and their testimony. Uh, but I guess the, the key is, um, I don't give them, you know, an ordination exam. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. It's like, uh, is this a Christian baptism? And pretty much as soon as I get the idea that it is, even if I hear certain things that I don't agree with in what they're saying, if, if it doesn't, um, call into question the, their understanding of the gospel, I, I honestly let it slide, and it's like, let's get baptized. The next step of the Great Commission mm-hmm. is teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. Yeah. Um, the, the first step is obeying the command to get baptized. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, one little point that I'll bring up, drop, and then move on about <laughs> is uh, we talked about as we were preparing for this um, and brought up a little bit at the beginning is there are uh, just some different thoughts about baptism. And one of the things that I saw in this scripture that I just would like to mention that I'm learning about is uh, in the book of Acts, we do see uh, a story in it's in Acts, Acts 8, 8 yep. um, where it talks about the believers being baptized, but the Holy Spirit not coming upon them. Uh, here we go. Acts eight fourteen. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any, on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Um... And so that's an area of scripture that I struggle with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so there's the part that's clear, which is we, we know from Acts 1-8 that the, the progression, you know, uh, of the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit's given, mm-hmm. and then they're able to be witnesses. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit's given and their witnesses in Jerusalem, and then the Spirit's given and their witnesses in Judea and Samaria, and then to the end of the, the earth. So uh, the Jews in Jerusalem received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Then the Gentiles in Samaria received the Holy Spirit in Acts 8. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> different ethnicities receiving the Holy Spirit at different times is a discussion for another day. But that, <laughs> that's fascinating, yeah. obviously. Um, but the, the key for this discussion that um, Alana and I are both a little like, huh, is the question, was that a legitimate baptism? Be- mm-hmm. Because it, it says they were they had only been baptized in the, in the name, name of Jesus. Jesus 
indicating um, it, it wasn't the Trinitarian sort of baptism that you see in the Great Commission in mm-hmm. Matthew 28. So uh, we're, we're still um, pondering on that. Yeah. And uh, if anyone uh, listening to this has a, a real good explanation or article that you know of that, that kind of addresses that, we, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at smalltowngospel at gmail.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't she annoying? <laughs> uh, I guess we should tell you how to contact. So, um, anyway, yeah, that, all that to say, uh, when it comes to the sacraments, ordinances, whatever you want to call it, uh, th- there are um, aspects of it that are that are mysterious and, mm. and a little bit funky, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor and yeah. I, I've got, um, quite a bit of education in theology and in scripture. And that's just something I, I don't have a real good handle on, uh, of what was going on there. So there's a lot to learn and to continue to learn. Uh, just, uh, another, whenever you're talking about baptism, uh, we, we've talked, done this kind of flyover look at the early church, but you should probably also uh discuss the the guy uh whose name includes baptism john the uh, john Baptist. the <laughs> yeah. and so uh his ministry uh, obviously he's kind of this rogue fellow in the wilderness and uh he wore weird clothes and ate weird food um maybe he was from portland i don't know <laughs> uh, uh and he that they probably think that about troy i suppose yeah. but uh, he, uh, no one really knew what to do with him. And, uh, he had this ministry of preaching and of baptism and his baptism was, uh, a baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. And that was, it, it seems to be part of his, uh, preparatory work for the coming of Christ, the Messiah, um, kind of a repentance of preparation to be ready to then follow Christ. Um, But if his whole ministry was about a a baptism of repentance, that makes it interesting, the headliner um, person that he baptized. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what do you you make of that? Yeah, um, I just think of uh the passage of acts 19 that you're talking about uh paul said john baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him that is jesus and then upon hearing this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus um there's and then you see the example of Jesus who uh came and was baptized and uh the skies opened up and the spirit fell upon him and uh to me it's just the clear example of baptism in repentance i guess uh the order of operations is believe repent be baptized holy spirit yeah and the it's interesting, um, you know, we we do Trinitarian baptisms, mm-hmm. and then in the baptism of Christ himself, it's a very um, clear. clear Trinitarian moment. Yeah. Uh, the Father's voice coming from heaven about his 
how pleased he is with his son, the spirit descending like a dove. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Christ and his baptism, um, we'll get into that next week in, in some of the debates. So one, one of the reasons uh, I think uh, that I would go to for uh, being baptized as an adult or or as someone who is making that decision for themselves rather than uh, an infant uh, would be the example of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus, uh, there, there's all sorts of things that were fulfilled by him in infancy yeah. that are really critical for who he was and what, what he did. Yeah. But in God's providence, Jesus was baptized uh, as, as a man. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we won't um, get further into that now, but uh, in the baptism, though, there's something interesting. The the ministry of John the Baptist in Luke three sixteen it says, John, uh, referring to John the Baptist, <laughs> uh, uh, John the Baptist answered them all, and he said, "I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie." Mm. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is most um, obviously fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit comes, uh, you know, the great uh, rushing wind and then the, the tongues of fire. Yeah. And uh, so there's clearly significance to water baptism, but it's a significance that... Um, the, the most important component of its significance is that it points to a greater baptism. Yeah. Um, and similar way to marriage, for instance. The marriage is clearly uh, critical mm-hmm. and important, but the most important aspect of it isn't about it at all. Yeah. Uh, and so- salvation is one that I was thinking of is uh, we have been saved, we are being saved, but we will be saved on that day. Right. Uh, yet another example of the already but not yet. <laughs> yeah, yep. So uh, this baptism, um, whatever discussions we have about it, uh, needs to reflect the teaching of John the Baptist mm-hmm. about baptism, which is clearly he he believed staunchly in the significance of yeah. baptism and um, had the... Uh, uh, unspeakable honor of baptizing the Lord himself yeah. and yet in all of it he said there, there's a there's a more significant baptism that the Messiah is about and and that's the baptism of salvation itself yeah <clears throat> yeah uh, as we uh, will kind of just wrap up here and next week I guess we'll continue this discussion yeah and so uh, we'll get into a little bit more uh, of the the um, dis- discussion surrounding what is the covenant we have with God, what are the signs of the covenants in Scripture, and why is there this talking past each other uh, between mm-hmm. Baptists and Presbyterians or Credo and Pado yeah. uh, Baptists um, in some of these discussions. But thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you next week. Bye.